Same text, Romans 14, from 17 to 18. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. My subtitle uh, tonight, what I really want to deal with tonight, is the spirit of what I call evil conscience of unbelief. The evil conscience of unbelief. It's what I'm going to be dealing with tonight. And, and then I've been trying to make us see the basic difference between the righteousness of God and the righteousness of the law or that which is from a religious perspective. So now let's turn again to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and then I'll read from verse 1. Hebrews 10 from verse 1. Scripture says, For the law having a shadow of things to come, good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these sacrifices, which is offered year by year continually, may they come as thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? But because that the worshippers once poor should have had no more conscience of sins. I dealt with that a little bit last uh, two weeks, but I want to look at it from another perspective tonight. So now the Bible is saying if what they were doing was able to help them, they wouldn't have had a conscience of sins anymore. Then verse 3 But in those sacrifices There's a remembrance Again made of sins every year Now this is what you need to pick A remembrance of those practice Of sins every year In other words Every time they go offer the Sacrifices They remember their sins and for instance, now we're talking about Christ being uh, a perfect sacrifice. And so, like we're trying to say on Sunday, it's not your sins you remember now, it's what he has done that you remember. Did you get the difference? With the Old Testament, there is a continuous remembrance of your sins. But with the New Testament, you remember what the Lord has done. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. So, and you know, when you always remember this perpetual consciousness of sin leads to failure in your walk before God. Because you'll be living under the influence of the spirit of condemnation. You don't have the boldness, you don't have the freeness. You can expressly talk to God. You can pray 
because you always have a condemnation in your heart. And that's why the Bible said, Therefore there remain no more condemnation to them why Christ Jesus. Amen? Are you there? So, this is a perpetual remembrance, as it were, of the consciousness of sin and failure, and typically expect punishment. You know, when you have this consciousness also, the major thing that always crosses your mind is the punishment from God. Amen? You always have that feeling and the consciousness of God about punishing you because you've sinned. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like you're running away from house because you committed an offense all the time. But what the scripture is making us to understand is you don't need to run away from God because somebody paid a price for you to be able to come back home. Amen? So it's not you now to remember what you've done, why you should be running away from God because it's going to punish you, but it's giving you a new spirit to approach God because you can remember what your brother have done. Did you get the difference? Now with that, you have boldness. The Bible talks about we receive boldness to come to the throne to receive grace to help in times of need. But if you're living under condemnation, if you're living under the consciousness of sin, that privilege is taken from you. And that's what the Bible is saying. The law cannot allow you to approach God because there is always a consciousness of condemnation. So you can approach God perfectly and with boldness. You can pray as you ought to pray. Hallelujah. Now, we must also understand something. Righteousness is not necessarily right doing. But right standing before God. Because of your right believing. Righteousness is not right doing. Amen? But right standing before God. Because of your right believing. I want you to understand this. When we say righteousness in the new order, it is not what you can do. It is what have been done that you believe into that makes you a righteous person before God. So your boldness is not because of what you can do. It's because of what have been done and you believing rightly in what have been done. By implication, I can approach God not because of what I can do, but because of what Christ have done. Are we together? So, don't forget, righteousness is not right doing, but right standing before God. Now, I can stand before God to talk to God, not because of what I can do of myself, but because of what Christ have done on my behalf. Now, the boldness to stand is my right believing that I can stand because Christ paid the price. Are we together? Good. Because, you see, if it is right doing, then you can't be qualified to stand before God. In fact, the word we say, all have seen and conscious of the glory of God. Now, you can't boast yourself of fulfilling all the laws because there are some things you may not do. Scripture says all unrighteousness is sin. Outside of that, 
in the book of James, the Bible also tells us that when you omit to do what you ought to have done, that is service what? Is sin. So think about that. It simply means on a daily basis, you sin. Because if you miss doing what you ought to have done and you need to do it, then you sin already. Therefore, who is righteous now? If you boast of keeping the whole law, what about the things you ought to have done that you didn't do? I'm not even talking about, okay, let's bring it in a very simple way. The Bible says, love your neighbor. Hmm? Now, if you omit loving your neighbor as you ought to, to even extend help, it means you're already a sinner by the standard of the law. Because you have omitted to do what you ought or have done. So sin is both a transgression and omitting to do what you ought to have done. And as long as that happens, it means there is no one man that is what? Righteous. So how do you become righteous to stand before God? It is as you believe that what shall have condemned you have been paid for by who? By Christ. So that's why we say righteousness is not right doing, but right standing before God because of your right word, believing. Amen. So you can say you are righteous. Why? Because you believe that Christ paid the price and did what you couldn't do. Hallelujah. Okay. Remember what we read uh, in Mark chapter 9 verse 13. When Jesus says, but go here and learn what that minute I will have mercy, not sacrifice. Remember that? For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who are the righteous now? These are the people who were keeping the law. Okay? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm after mercy and not sacrifice. Now when you go down to Hebrews chapter 10 again. Let's look at verse 7. Hebrews 10, reading from verse number 7. Then said I, lo, I come, Hebrews 10, verse number 7. I come in the volume of the book, it's written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offering, a burnt offering, an offering for sin, thou will not. Neither this pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take out the way the fourth, that he may establish the second. Amen. Okay, so don't forget, Mark says, I'm not after sacrifice, I'm not after what? Mercy. And Jesus came and said, God is not after sacrifice, I've come to fulfill the sacrifices, you may obtain what? Mercy. So your belief in the mercy of God, I mean the mercy of the sacrifice of Jesus, brings you before who? The throne of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I want to read from the Living Bible, Hebrews 10. And I'm reading from verse 10. Hebrews 10 from verse 10 from the Living Bible. It says, The old system of Jewish laws gave only a dim state of the good things Christ would do for us. The sacrifices under the old system were repeated again and again, year after year. But even so, they could never save those who lived under their rules. Verse 2. Or what verse number 12? 12 there. If they, 
from verse 1, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading from verse 1 still, verse 2 now. If they could have, one offering will have been enough. The worshippers will have been cleansed once for all, and their feeling of guilt will have been gone. I'm still dealing with what I dealt with the first time, but from living Bible. Verse 3. But just the opposite happened. Those yearly sacrifices reminds them of their disobedience and guilt. Instead of relieving them, their minds. Relieving their minds. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats really to take away sins. Verse 5. That is why Christ said as he came into the world, O oh God, the blood of bulls and goats cannot satisfy you. So you have made ready this body of mine for me to lay as a sacrifice upon your altar. Six. You were not satisfied with the animal sacrifices slain and burnt before you as offering for sin. Then I said, the seven, see I come to do your will to lay them alive just as the scripture said that I would. After Christ said this about not being satisfied with the various sacrifices and offering required under the old system, he then added, here I am. I have come to give my life. Hallelujah. Then the next one says, He canceled the first system of favor of a far better one. Under this new plan, we have been forgiven and made clean by Christ dying for us once and for all. That's what I want you to note. Under this new plan, we have been forgiven and made clean. By Christ dying for us once and for all. So, it's not a repeated business. Now, I don't want to be talking about that. But, I have come to the place talking about the issue of confessing sins. We regard what we are dealing with. But I don't want to deal with that now. Maybe I will touch it, maybe I will not. But you see, it's not the issue of a repeated event. One sacrifice, clean souls, and put behind us everything that we have ever done, we ever do. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, I want us to move down very quickly to something that I would like to show you. We know we read, uh, I think that was supposed to be Hebrews 8. Can we turn to Hebrews 8? Let me read like Hebrews 8 before we go then. Let's get on to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Let me start reading from verse 7. Now remember, he's talking about old plan and new plan. Is that okay? For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. That means the first covenant had fault. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, see the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I will make with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continue not in, in my covenant and I regarded them not, say the Lord. Now mind you, they continued not. So the problem actually comes from the fact that man was supposed to participate. Is that okay? 
they continue not in my covenant. Therefore, I did not regard them. Meaning, any time going by that, how many of you understand that? Noah actually understand and walked under grace before the Lord came. Abraham walked under grace before the Lord came. See, in the book of Leviticus, the Bible says you can marry your sister. But do you know in the truth says Sarah was Abraham's half-sister? But God did not condemn Abraham even while he was married to Sarah. Until the law came, it became a sin. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So if you were to count righteousness, Abraham can never be righteous. Because it's like he lived in sin for marrying the sister. <laughs> Are you see there? I'm talking about what grace does. But when Abraham kind of find grace in the sight of God, the Bible says, Abraham believed what God said about him and God counted him to be what? A righteous man. Not because of what he was doing. Because even the life he was living does not qualify him to be a righteous person. So there was grace in the days of Abraham even before the law came. Are you still there with me? That's why I would say it's not right doing, but right standing. Because of what? Right believing. Now what's this? Verse 9. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in that day when I took them by the hand of the land and led them out of the land of Egypt because they continued my covenant and regarded them not. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, say the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me what? people and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest but what I'm interested in is verse number 12 for I will be what merciful to their what unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more that's a new law you know, sometimes when somebody speaks like this, you say, well, are you endorsing sin? Not at all. Try and steal and then be caught. Then you will want to swear never to steal anymore. The shame and the embarrassment that will come to you is enough chastisement. Never to go and steal. Are you following what I'm talking about? You can't be a righteous man and still think of practicing sin in that sense. Not at all. If I the ability in the true sense to practice it, definitely will be removed from you. How many of you remember that Abimelech could not go into Sarah? And that it was God that was responsible for him not to be able to go into Sarah. That was grace. The appetite to do it was taken away from Sarah, I mean from Abimelech. Despite the desire. Despite the way he kind of loved all, you know, fancied Sarah. He couldn't. Amen? Now let me show you the strength of what God is saying here in the New Testament. How he said in the days of Noah. Can we go to Genesis chapter 9?
fact, John made a statement and said, Genesis chapter 9, are we there? I'm going to read verse 11. You see, John making a statement and saying, He that is born of God does not sin. Did he say so? Okay. He said, because his seed remains in him. Okay. Genesis 9, verse 11. And now we establish my covenant with you. God is speaking to Noah. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. Is that alright? Okay, go to Isaiah 54. Speaking about Mount Zion now. Speaking about the church. Speaking about the redeemed church. Isaiah 54. Look at 8 and 9. In a little rot, I hid my face from thee for a moment. You know, you know my little anger. But with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee? Remember, I will have mercy. I will not remember their iniquities no more. Remember that? Okay, on thee say the Lord, thy Redeemer. Now look at the next thing. For this is us, the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah shall no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be wrought with thee or rebuke thee. Hallelujah. The sacrifice of Jesus took away the anger of God. So, in the true sense, God is not angry with you. Amen? The word rot actually means to crack off or a burst of anger, to displease or a displeasure, to forsake. God said, I will not be wrought with you. But rather, I'm going to extend to you an everlasting mercy. And just like it was in the days of Noah, as I have sworn that I will never, so shall it be. I have sworn that I will not be wrought with thee, nor forsake thee, or rebuke thee. Now how many of you remember the scripture also said, I will not forsake thee. Hallelujah. Now, what makes God forsake people? How many of you can tell me? What happened in Isaiah 53? When the Bible says God could not look on Jesus. Remember that? What, did, what was the cry of Jesus on the cross? My father, my father, why have thou forsaken me? Remember that? He was forsaken because like we often preach, because Christ carried the sins of the whole world upon himself. So when he said, I will not forsake thee, I will not rebuke thee, I will not be wrought with thee, what he's saying is, have made me to do all of this thing, Christ took it upon himself. So God is not angry with you. Now maybe God allowed me on Sunday, I'm going to share with you what it means to chastise. Okay? Uh, because in Hebrews the Bible tells us, to whom he loved, he chastised. Remember that? Uh-huh. And he said, if you don't receive the chastisements of the Lord, then you are what? A bastard. That you need to understand from the evil context what it means to be a bastard. A bastard is not necessarily one of the things that qualifies somebody to be a bastard is somebody who is not trained. 
So in the true sense, I'm going to have a full time to teach you on that. When he's saying that a child is disciplined, the discipline actually means training. It's just like saying train up a child in the way he should go. And when he grows up, he will not depart from it. So when he said if you are a bastard, it means God does not give you his training. Not necessarily beating you with a cane. You know, we deal, we deal with all of that some other time. Hallelujah. Now, so what am I trying to make you see? Now, turn with me to John 16. I want to make you see something. What is the major function of the Holy Spirit? From John 16, I find that the Holy Spirit does three major things. Three major things. John 16. Let's look at verse 7 down to verse 10. In John 16. Hallelujah. Now, I would like also to read this from the Amplif- I mean, the Living Bible, in a very simple way. John 16, are we there? I'm looking at verse 7. Remember, I'm talking about the righteousness of God. I'm talking about believing into the righteousness of God and living as that which is righteous before God. By reason of the sacrifice of Jesus. So now, John 3 and John 16. Are we together? Let's look at verse 7. Now, as you're reading, you're going to be reading with me, but I want you to be very attentive and see what the Spirit is saying. John 16, verse 7. But the fact of the matter is that it is best for you that I go away. For if I don't, the comforter won't come. Who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit. If I do, he will, for I will send him to you. Verse number 8. And when the comforter comes, he will convince the world of his sin. Begin to follow. And of the availability of God's goodness. And of deliverance from judgment. Three things. Are you there with me? Okay, watch. Verse number 9. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Are you there? Remember, the Holy Spirit will come through the world of sin. What is sin? Unbelief. In who? In Christ. Number 10. There is righteousness available because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And the last one says, there is deliverance from judgment because the prince of this world has already been what? Been judged. Now, tell me, three categories of people are mentioned in this passage. Three things that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing. The first one, he will convince the world of their unbelief so that they can believe into who? Into Christ. That is the world, not you. It's not convincing you of sin. Because the sin of the world is what? Unbelief. So now, he's convincing the world of their unbelief so that they can believe into who? Into Christ. So what does the Holy Spirit do for you? He convinces you of the availability of righteousness. Did you get that? So now, the Holy Spirit work for you as a believer is to continuously remind you that righteousness is what? Is available. That righteousness is available. So by implication, if you truly receive the Holy Spirit, 
It's just like we're saying on Sunday. There's a place of reminding or be reminded that righteousness is available. You don't, you need to just have righteousness. You need to just become, you have to be righteous because Christ paid the price and he made righteousness what? Available. So, in other words, instead of you being reminded of your sin, he reminds you of what? Righteousness. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, I'm going to send him, and he said the last one there now, he said, there is deliverance. It's like saying, deliverance is also available because the man that was supposed to be in bondage have already been what? Judged. So three things that the Holy Spirit does. Takes the world and convince them of their unbelief, which is a sin of unbelief, not to believe into Jesus. So he convinced the unbeliever to believe in Jesus. Is that okay? But you are already a believer. So what does he do for you? He convinced you of what? Righteousness. Meaning you can sometimes forget about righteousness. Or who you are. Or what Christ has done. So the Holy Spirit reminds you all the time. Stop thinking that you are not righteous. Stop thinking that you can do some things to be righteous. There is a righteousness that is available, which is who? In Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So, in other words, you see yourself, you can walk in boldness, you can walk in, in faithfulness, you can approach God, you can talk to God, because the Holy Spirit keeps reminding you, Amen, you are free, like we read on Sunday. You are abundantly free. There is nothing holding you back. There is nothing stopping you. You are free because somebody paid the price. Not just that. You are not guilty. You are righteous before God. Because the whole guilt of the world was placed upon somebody. And the person paid the price. By implication. The punishment you were supposed to receive. By being attached to Adam. Christ took the punishment upon himself. So the Holy Spirit reminds you, hey, come on, you are free. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit reminds you of righteousness. All the time. And then it makes you to know that the very man that was supposed to be responsible for judgment, I mean for all the bondages in this world, have been judged. That is why I've already been telling you, I can't for any reason emphasize the devil because he has been dared to it. I should make you see more. See what the Holy Spirit is doing here. It's remind you of righteousness. Why will I remind you of the devil? Why will I remind you of sin? Why will I remind you of what you call parental causes? Does it make sense? I should be walking contrary to the Holy Spirit. If my ministry is to be reminding you of the causes of your father. The, are you getting what I'm talking about? If I come here, I begin to tell you of causes of third generation causes, fourth generation causes, fifth generation causes, whatever. The Holy Spirit is struggling to remind you that there is righteousness available. Those causes can no longer work on you because righteousness is available. It means I'm not walking the work of God. I'm not doing the work of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has a major assignment for you as a believer to continuously remind you of righteousness. So you see, the more you are reminded about righteousness, the more you're going to live a righteous life. Amen? Why? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
the more you hear about righteousness, the more you become a righteous man. Now, the more they tell you about spiritual causes, about demons, about the more you are oppressed, the more you are in bondage because those powers they are being provoked and awoken. Let us get this right. Faith can be in positive or negative form. It is still faith because faith comes by hearing. So you can hear faith, you can develop faith for the devil, or you develop faith for God. We have faith towards God, even so you can have faith towards the devil. It depends on who you are listening to. Hallelujah. Depends on who you are listening to. So I won't be surprised. Uh, somebody sent me one stupid email this evening. Uh, I just got mad at reading it. Uh, I won't talk about it, but it's very stupid. You know, somebody said he went to hell. He saw some people there. I was mentioning some big ministers in this country. He saw them here. Passenger emailed it in to me from London and said, Pastor David, what have you got to say about this? I said, this is nonsense. I don't need to even consider it twice. He said, we need to talk about it. He said, there's nothing to be talked about. So, most of the big ministers, I don't want to mention that. He said, he saw them in hell. I mean, I'm talking about the ones that have departed. Great men of God in this country. He said, he saw them in hell. He went to hell. Jesus took him to hell. Nonsense. When man's imagination begins to bring things into your mind, you say, Jesus took you somewhere. I remember one time preaching in South Africa, somebody came to the place and saying that God took him to heaven and that the, 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 the plants in heaven, they are all made of gold. Just because Revelation said the street is made of gold, therefore the plants are made of gold. Simple interpretation of scripture, people don't have it. You dream on useless dream and you put them on Facebook, put them whatever, what people to read. And this guy even published it on Facebook and email it to people. Why can't you see what the Spirit is saying? Hallelujah. So, one of the good work of the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, and I believe you have the Holy Spirit, what does He do? He reminds you of righteousness. Anytime you are falling, anytime you are weak, the Holy Spirit says, Come on here, you better stand up, Jesus, pay the price. You are free, walk before God. Don't be weak, don't be discouraged. Don't lose faith. You can't fail. Jesus paid the price. Paul will say, I am what I am by what? By the grace of God. Not because of what I can do. That's what I'm saying. Your life is not tied to what you can do. It's tied to what you can believe. Right believing. Amen? So even victory for life. Let me tell you something. More and more every day as I begin to study this subject, I see some things that there are some sicknesses in our life that are not supposed to be there because of our belief. We need to believe that our chastisement was upon him. He was the righteousness of God. The spiritual remind us that this sickness upon my body was actually given to Jesus to carry. That is what the spiritual remind you. But instead of that, maybe somebody come to tell you, well, you are sick because of the sin you committed. You are sin because of your father's sin. You are sin. How many of you remember John chapter 9? They went, who was born blind? Is that okay? Was it this man or the father? Why is it born? Who sinned? That's the question. So everybody tie whatever happens to you to be what? Sin. 
But you can tell that bloody devil. It's not because of sin. I can pass through this. Not because of sin. But beside that, the Holy Spirit can remind you, you are not supposed to pass through this because Jesus took it upon himself on the cross. Hallelujah. Maybe we need to play that Mel Gibson's uh, Passion for Christ in this church for those of you who have not watched it so that you can see how terrible it can be. And the man was even saying in the graphic illustration it took time not to make it too much horrible because if you follow the description, the Bible says it was so mad that no man can look unto him. Why? Because of the sin that we were supposed to be punished for. He was punished for it. Listen, if we start thinking and still continue to believe about these parental causes and all of those things following us, we are just devaluing the sacrifice of Jesus. We are saying he didn't do anything for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So I pray the Holy Spirit will be helping us from today to remind us about what? The righteousness of God. We were righteous in him. Scripture says we will be made the righteousness of God in who? In Christ. Did he say so? Don't be afraid to say you are righteous. Because that is who you are. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he did. Amen? Come on, are you there with me? Hallelujah. Next week I'm going to make you see something. He said, <laughs> he was going to wash you so that he can present you to himself as a church without spot or wrinkle. Listen, it's not you presenting yourself, it's he presenting you. Have you considered that? We'll deal with it fully next week. You can't present yourself as a chaste virgin. You can't present yourself as a bride. He said he's watching you so that he can present you to himself as a church without spot or wrinkles. So it's not you. It's him. Therefore, if there is any wrinkle in your life, spiritually or otherwise, he who wants wash you clean, shall wash you clean. But you know, we often preach that to me that it is hard to do with you to be able to strengthen. I remember when I was young, the message was preached sometimes and said, do you know what it means to be wrinkled? When you scramble your shirt, you want a shirt and you need to iron it and it comes out so that's what it means. That means you have to try to see how you can straighten out. Can you strengthen yourself? But I know better that whoever wants to strengthen you is Christ himself. He wants to present you to himself. Hallelujah. How did Esther get to the palace? Mordecai had to do a job on Esther. Am I, am I talking to somebody here? Esther couldn't do it herself. Thank God for women who use the mirror to look at your face. But it doesn't truly give you all of the things you need to see. Mirror is not enough to show you. Some mirror can even make you look ugly. Am I right? The one that is not properly polished. But I'm talking about Jesus. He can present you perfect. He can wash you clean. He can decorate you. He can strengthen every wrinkle in your life. All ugliness in you, he wants to remove. Because he wants to marry the bride that is perfect without any spot or wrinkle. So the best cream in the world, he wants to apply it on your skin. Bring you glorious. Amen. We need to believe in what he's doing. Amen? 
let's go back again to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. I want to read from 19. Hallelujah. Having dear for brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. By a new and a living way, which has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say what? His flesh. Let's have the boldness to enter. Remember, the holiest is the place where already high priest was supposed to enter once every year. Is that okay? But the Bible is saying through the blood, you can approach that very most holiest place in the tabernacle where the high priest alone was supposed to go. You can go there. That's why your prayers can ascend to God. Hallelujah. That's why you can pray and God can hear. He said, let us come with boldness. Now, why is he emphasizing the word boldness? Why is that emphasis? Because, listen, when Adam seen as it were, what happened? He said, we are afraid. Remember that? Okay. We are afraid now he can look unto God. He can approach God. Man, he is saying, man, don't think about your sin. Don't think about your past. Jesus paid the price. Be bold. Let fear be taken away from you. Let shame be taken away from you. Let embarrassment be taken away from you. Come and approach your father because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. By a new and a living way, which he consecrated for all through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with what? A true heart. In what? A full assurance of faith. Hallelujah. Having our heart what? Sprinkled from what? An evil conscience. And our body washed with what? Pure. Our heart sprinkled from what? An evil conscience. What's an evil conscience? Go back to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. Let's look at verse 12. Hebrews 3, verse number 12. Hallelujah. Take it, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Of unbelief. In what? Departing from the living God. That is the evil conscience. When you depart from the living God, you end up doing the things you want to do to please God. Dead works. Did you get that? So take heed. What is that supposed to mean? You better mind the kind of messages you listen to. You better mind the kind of films you watch. What I mean is, anything that will dampen your faith, anything that will bring down your faith, anything that will not make you believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, to give you the right faith, you know, to bring you to the place of continuous remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus, Becomes an evil heart of what? Of unbelief. Unbelief is simply not believing what Jesus has done. 
Anything you try to do for yourself outside of what he has done equals to what? Unbelief. So take it. That's the thing. Instead of being bold, instead of standing in the place of righteousness, instead of knowing that of a true Jesus have done it, he's finished it, he's given me all the guarantee and qualification to approach God, you start with thinking of something maybe that your father did, something that your community did, something that somebody did. Okay, maybe you also need to be thinking about what Adam did. And unfortunately, you were not even there. Huh? That is as strong as the power of belief can be. Remember, you were not there when Adam sinned. You were born into this world. You didn't even know how you came into this world. But you grew up only to be told that you are a sinner. And you believe you are a sinner. And you begin to act as a sinner. Because that is what you believe. That is what you have been told. Are you still there with me? Yeah. The environment and the messages, all the proclamation coming, makes you who you are. But the good news is, even though you once believed that you are a sinner, and you were living like a sinner, now you are righteous, you can also live like a righteous man. Praise the living God. On Sunday, I'll make you see, maybe God helping us. I'll make you see the simple thing I'm talking about. Adam and Christ. Because there are only two men in the world. So either you are in Adam or you are in Christ. As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ, shall all be what? Made alive. Given power. All die. It's not saying all are buried in the cemetery. All die to the life of God. Even so in Christ, shall all who believe through what I'm saying shall receive life again and live as the sons of God on the face of the earth. There are only two men in the world. Not three, not four. Just two. Not black, not white. Adam and Christ. So depend on who you are believing into. Depend on the message that they are preaching to you. Think about it. Anytime people try to make you or refer you back to your old life, to your old situations, friend, let them know. The Holy Spirit has been sent to remind you of righteousness, not of sin. Can I hear any man to that? Because I said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send you uh, the comforter. And it is for your advantage that I send him to you. Because he's going to make the world convince them of sin. They are sin of what? Unbelief in me. Then he's going to be reminding you about the work of righteousness that I've done. So that on a daily basis, you are going to live your life with boldness, with faith, with conviction, persuasion that you are a child of God and there is no enmity between you and who? And God. God is not angry with you. Because Christ paid the price. Hallelujah. You see, so that's what we read now in the book of Hebrews there, remember? Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full word assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with what? Pure water. Evil conscience. And the evil conscience defined for us. The evil conscience of what? Of unbelief. Unbelief in thinking that Christ has not done it. Friend, listen to me. There is no sin your father, your great grandfather committed that God is going to punish you for today. No, no, no. There's none. 
Every sin your father, your great grandfather ever committed, all the shrine, the worship, all the witchcraft, the practice have nothing to do with your life. Can I hear an amen to that? Because when Jesus came, he paid the price, and God is not even seeing you. He's seeing the blood. Anytime he looks on you, he sees the blood. He sees just Jesus and the blood. He doesn't see you. You should hide under the blood to approach God. He doesn't see you because you are not qualified. But because you believe in what he has done, now you are qualified to approach him. That's why I say, let us run near. Near unto who? Near unto God. Not run away. Adam was running away. Eve was running away. He said, we heard your voice in the garden and we hid ourselves because we are afraid. And you know, I say, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with what an evil conscience. From an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Remember, the sprinkling has to do with the blood of Jesus. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Because for every man that have to worship, that have to approach God, the blood must be what? Offered. There's a need for us to understand that. And basically, there were several animals that were offered as at that time, time will not permit us, maybe not in this course of study, but I'll let you know. But there were two major ones, the sin offering and the peace offering, or the sacrifice offering. These two major offerings, the, the, the sin offering and, and then the, the sacrifice offering. You, you, you have one, the sins of the people, they bring the two goats, bring them before the priest, and then they lay hands on it. Everybody, you is offering the goat, you confess all your sins upon the goat, Right? And they kill that one. The other one, you confess your sins and they send you to the wilderness. They call it the Azazel. You need to go and read the book of Leviticus and see how this thing was functioning. Now Jesus fulfilled all of that. So, it's like when you were supposed to lay hand, now you can't bring a right goat. God brought the goat and took your sins and laid it upon the head of the animal and sacrificed it. You were supposed to go and bring it, now you can't bring it. I don't know, I think what Maxwell was telling me why people now are telling people to go and bring turtle dove to church. Very soon they will start telling them to bring ram too. Eh? So that they can also pray over them and take their sins away. They don't want to believe in what Jesus has done. They want to do something else for themselves. Because maybe he brings them money. God help his people. The word I have left for you tonight is this. You are a righteous man. My reason of the blood of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is sent to remind you about what? Righteousness. God bless you.